Welcome to the Sons and Daughters Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Bevere, and today's episode is with all the ladies. So I kicked my husband off, and I'm joined with Julie and Brooke. Hi, guys. Hello. Thank y'all so much for joining me because we're actually here to spill the tea. It is February, and I'm yep. sure all of us are wondering, what is dating? How do we talk about it in a way that's actually beneficial and a little out there, a little bit more into the nitty gritty. Yeah, the things that we don't talk about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and kind of wanting to like demystify the things that are said that we all just accept as like truth to live by, but really what's behind that and how does that apply to life? Like what are the lasting effects of the Christianese around dating? Yeah, how do you get to 10 years married from being 19? Like how does that even work? So we're excited to spill the tea but before we do that i need to hear your best pickup lines i've got one okay let's hear it do you like legos i like legos maybe we could build a life together (sighs) did it work i think that one didn't land (laughs) no you don't like legos um i love legos (laughs) I don't have any kids. So it would have worked on Julie. So no. (laughs) Or Julie's children. (laughs) So sorry. Asher is. He's 10 now. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, that was a little cringy. Yes, I agree. But it's okay because in dating, you kind of have to talk about the good and the cringy. Yeah. What all makes it work so we can get it out in the open and get to this good place of I feel like I can date. I, I can't date anymore. I can date my husband. Yeah. But giving that to people so you know how to date. Yeah. And Brooke, I would love for you just to open this up of how you've gotten to this place of feeling confident in your dating experience. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. I feel like it's God's sense of humor a lot of times what he has us share and talk about, especially with the topic of dating for me, um, because I've actually only been dating for the past year. Um, and you're, you're how old? 22. Whoa. Yeah. And so for 21 years, I had this, this wall and this fear built up around dating and getting real, really fast. Um, it all kind of started from what I was taught about dating, what leadership was telling me, people in the church, even culture, my parents, things like that had really built up my view of what it was. And I was told things like dating is practicing divorce, that um, if you're not marrying the first person you date, then you have failed essentially. Mm -hmm. And both of those along with other ones are extremely paralyzing things to have as your filter towards something. Um, And I like to say that within the past year, what that shift has been for me has really been that I was for so long, I would have a guarded heart, which is good. Guarded heart is so good advocate for that. (laughs) But along with it, I also had a guarded mind Mm. and It's also good to have a guarded mind, but I had it to the point where I would actually find myself walking into rooms, walking into situations, friendships with guys, and instantly analyzing and seeing how I can keep them from wanting to be with me. Because I knew they would open the door for me having to navigate the waters of dating that terrified me, honestly. And, And that was even keeping me from intimacy with friendships I was supposed to have with all these different things. So I started to like, to really see that about a year ago. And so I decided, you know, I need to shift this, like this needs to change in my life. And, um, I especially realized that I had grown so much more comfortable in just sitting still single with God than, getting in that water yeah. and dating. Um, and so like I said, this time last year, literally this week last year, I went on my first date ever. Wow. And this sweet poor guy, he was amazing. Um, 
I was just having my doors open to all of these new things that I had to process, things I was told and starting to differentiate, okay, what has God told me about dating and what has the world told me about dating? What has the church told me about dating Hmm. and what is true and what is false? And that's a lot. That's a lot to navigate. Um, And just a quick story from that experience, I remember that there was a week that went by where every day when I went to journal, I would cry. I cried every day because I just, I couldn't pinpoint why, like what was, like what about the situation was causing me to feel so much. And it wasn't that I wasn't being treated right. It wasn't that I wasn't feeling peace, but it wasn't that I was feeling peace. It was this weird middle ground that no one had told me existed. This weird limbo and in between that I didn't know how to navigate. And at one point I remember I was sitting in my car and I had to, well, I was driving and I had to pull over because I was just crying. I didn't know, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And then I just asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, what is it about this that is causing me so much like trauma, <laughs> it felt like. And I felt like he really clearly highlighted to me that it was, it was this whole idea of, I didn't know what to do in the unknown, hmm. that I had never been taught how to navigate not knowing right away. I had never been trained in that. It had almost been ignored. It was either you know or it's wrong. But I wasn't hearing a yes or a no from God. And so I remember in that moment, I was like, I'm in a pattern. If I don't get out of this pattern, I'm just going to keep on getting deeper. And so I called my best friend and she told me, and this I felt like it was from the Lord. She was like, Brooke, what you are doing right now is completely normal. And also you don't have to marry him, but you also can date him without overanalyzing through fear. And I was and, and it was just like this revelation to me, like, yes, like you are so right. Like it's, it, and then it changed it to be, okay, I'm in this partnership with God. I'm being entrusted with discernment. Love he's, that. he's, he's matured me. And now I, I'm being entrusted with this gift of, of navigating this. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, it's, it's shifted to be more of that perspective, but even that has been, you know, within the past few months. And so, you know, th- that's kind of been my experience is breaking off those, those lies and those things that I had been putting on myself that God hadn't been. You weren't dating this guy for like a year. This was no, in like the a month. first few weeks. It was like, f- okay, God, it was a month. Is this him? Like yeah. I need to know right now. Yes. Like that ridiculous pressure that I put on it that probably did not help anything, you know? So. And I feel like that is a very um, constant thing that I'm hearing in conversation with people in that dating stage is this incredible amount of pressure that people are putting on each and every single move they make where they're not even able to enter into a friendship before they're immediately jumping to a relationship to a marriage and I feel like that is stealing from number one it's stealing from the journey just from the journey of you know, getting to know people, regardless, like you could strip away the fact that this has potential to be romantic, just relationship, seeing that there is someone, I am a firm believer that every person you meet, every person you have the opportunity to have conversation with, to get to know, has something to offer you. And so to take advantage of that in a way where you're not putting all of this crazy pressure on the shoulders of conversation or you're not able to do things just with freedom and openness because it's this constant, like you said, you're evaluating constantly. Like, wait, was that on my list for a husband? Wait, does that, you know, match the Proverbs 31 woman? (laughs) You know, you're, yeah. I think if people will just look at it as people, like have a friendship before you dive into 
a relationship. So say you start dating someone and you're yeah. either prioritizing them of through their characteristics and you don't have that time of being a friend, you can be dating them for a couple months and then think, I, I don't know what it's like to be with them. Because when you're married, and Julie, I'm sure you agree, it is a friendship yeah. and it's a day-to-day. And if you can't be comfortable, like they may have the perfect checklist. But if you're not friends with them, it's two people living together that you're like, okay, you know what? This is really weird, but you meet all my boxes, so... Cool, God. But like you said, it's developing that relationship. Yeah. Having conversations instead of um, just looking at someone as a list, like you're saying. And I'd love to hear even more about where this pressure um, comes from and what it even leads to. Well, I want to know, Brooke, when you were hearing those things like dating is just practice for divorce or the ultimate, like God's plan is for you to date one person, hold hands with one person kiss one person and that's your spouse what did that do to you when you did meet people and who you know could they had potential there was Mm -hmm. no reason why they couldn't potentially be your someone yeah what what kind of a weight did that put honestly I think on the other side of it I almost would begin to fear that it like if if they were checking off boxes or you know I don't like phrasing it like that but if I began to feel like they were an option I would almost instantly start to wonder oh but what if it's someone else mm. you know what if like what if I do move forward with this option but then there's actually somebody else I'm supposed to meet but because I'm moving forward on this then I'm not going to be available for that you know this almost this grand scheme of of like there's something better out there and and just I remember growing up and being being younger and watching my friends in high school date. And I honestly thought it was fine. It was this weird dichotomy where I was like, like I'm one of my best guy friends dated someone for like three years in high school. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, this is so good. Even my friends who would have things here and there, and they're like, we're just learning, you know, what we want and all these, all, all of that. And I didn't have one qualm about it. I was like, yep, that's great. That's totally normal. But the second it was towards me, it felt wrong. Hmm. And it felt like I was disobeying something that God had put on my life in this weird sense. Like it almost became this pride that I carried. And it almost became a piece of my identity that like people in high school would say, oh, Brooke's single. Like Brooke's always single. Like you don't date. I was told this. This is a good one. People would tell me, multiple people randomly would say, oh, you don't date Brooke. You marry Brooke. And that built up so much pressure on my life that I began to believe like I'm not dateable. I'm only marryable. It's better <laughs> than the alternative. It is better than the alternative. <laughs> but at the same time, I felt like it just added to this, to that pressure of like, I can't mess up. Wow. Like I can't mess this up. Otherwise I, it'll mess it up for whoever my husband is. It won't, I, I won't be able to like, they won't want me all these different lies that I'd begun to believe because people were speaking that over me. And, um, yeah, it became a part of my identity. And I remember one time in high school, I went to this lake that I would always go to to pray. And I remember pulling up to the lake and I was sitting there and I just started to weep because the Lord, the Lord was just ministering to me and saying like, daughter, like I have not built you to not experience relationships and intimacy. Mm. Like I had begun to believe that I wasn't worthy of experiencing intimacy with another human and like relationship in that way. And I just remember a wall breaking down and journaling big letters. Like my identity is not in my singleness. Yeah. And, and it still took me years 
to come to the conclusion that I did a year ago and just begin to open the door. And I can tell you with flying colors that I learned completely different lessons within that month of dating someone than I had with my guy friends. You know, I thought I can just learn what I want to know from my guy friends and I can just watch everyone else's experiences and learn from their mistakes. And like, I don't have to make them myself, but being in it, like from what I described to you, the different emotions and the different thoughts and the different lies I had to process could only be cracked open with me stepping into it. And I think that that's something that's a scary line to like begin to enter into, but it's so huge to break off that fear that surrounds it. Yeah, because it's vulnerable. Like getting to know someone with the possibility of it becoming a relationship, becoming marriage even, is really scary. It is really vulnerable. That intimacy feels exposing And I love that you said, like, you learned so much and that God was able to meet you in that place where you weren't allowing your need for control. Because I do think control is behind, like you said, your identity was your singleness. And even people saying, like, God's just going to tell me who it is that I'm going to marry because then I won't have to risk anything. I'll just be like, actually... Listen, I know this is our first date, but God's already told me. So, you know, we can just kind of make this happen, get to know each other after we get married. And people need to recognize that it's in that um, it's in that scary place where it's exciting. Like it's a double edged thing where it is scary, but it also is the excitement. It's the anticipation. It's the expectation that is supposed to be a part of relationship building. And even friendship building. I, I just keep coming back to the fact that I think the pressure is so heavy on relationships now because friendships are seriously lacking. Mm. So people are looking for their spouse. They're looking for someone who's going to see them and know them and want them because friendships are so rare now, like real friendships where you're not just being used as a prong on someone's ladder to get to the next best thing, but where they really want you for you. And so we, we would be able to go into, you know, relationships and romance, I think with a lot less pressure, more freedom, if people were also doing a better job with just relationships. Yeah, with I agree. Friendships. Yeah. Like you can't be searching for this spouse who's going to meet every single need in your life. It's just not going to happen. Being married, marriage is not the finish line. Right. Like marriage is the next phase of a really long marathon. <laughs> so people need to recognize it's not like I'm just going to hustle. I'm just going to get to the marriage line and then it'll be smooth sailing. It's like, no, that's really good. (laughs) Yep. And something else. Yeah. No, something else that I think is that I've personally begun to learn is that like, I still believe that I'm going to know like that. I'm going to have this knowing feeling. Um, but do you know what that knowing feeling is? It's the peace that surpasses Mm. understanding. Yeah, that's good. So when people are so desperate for the understanding, they almost can't get the peace. That's really good. And, and I think like with still believing that I will know yeah. and I haven't yet, I think I'm now realizing that in order to get to the knowing, you have to walk through some unknowing hmm. because without knowing what unknowing feels like, it's harder to know what knowing then feels like. Right. And before I just had no idea. 
what either felt like. And so it kind of, it, this, it, I've begun to create almost like these bar- not barriers, like guidelines, hmm. almost of my own heart and life and knowing and navigating like the way that God's speaking to me about a person or about a situation that's so much more different than a yes or a no on the first date, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a peace and gen- like a joy. Like, am I enjoying being with this person? Is this still fun? Or have I allowed the pressure of my mind or all of the different evaluating. I think people are evaluating things way, way too much because the truth is you only have your perception. You can't see things from their perception. You can't see things from some like all-knowing perception either. You only have yours. And so you're going off of that and you're making it just like the rule. And I just think people need to have more freedom to enter into things and to have fun. Like dating is supposed to be fun. I I asked one of my friends before I went on my first date, what do I do? Like, how do I navigate? And she goes, the only, your only job on this date is to have fun. Yeah. If you have fun, go on another date. Your only job on that date is to have fun, (laughs) you know, like just relieve that pressure of like, like it's not an equation, you know? Yeah. That really is the initial stage. I think it's really important what you shared, Julie, about that peace Mm -hmm. and even having that friendship. And I mean, that's kind of the whole reason why we want to have these groups and we want to have that intimate, you know, close knit relationships more than just who you're dating or your spouse. Because I know for me, when I was dating, the times that I didn't invite my friends into who I was going on dates with, that's kind of when I wasn't dating the best people. But when you have that accountability, you know, because I know some of us listening have gone out with the wrong person, have made mistakes in dating, but do want to get to that point of dating well. Yeah. So how do y'all feel like friendship and even just accountability and righting your wrongs in a way can help listeners hearing this get to the place of where we want to be in dating and then pass that in marriage? Yeah. Well, my story is kind of opposite of Brooks. I think I waited till I was like 12 to date. Um, <laughs> And then from there, I was like a serial dater. Um, Granted, I didn't have a close relationship with God, though. Mm. Um, It was definitely more of like, I'll see you in in heaven one day. Um, But there was something, I think, whenever you are in a place where you are just going from person to person to person, I think becoming aware of the fact that you're trying to fill a void that it's not because they're the wrong people that it continues to not work out. It's because no person is going to fill that void. That's good. And at the risk of that, even like sounding Christianese, even in marriage and oh, Addison, he should have like so many medals, but one in particular for the fact that I continued to try to stuff him into that void. Mm. And for me, it was the very, um, cliche and typical and yet completely my own uh, daddy issues that I dealt with growing up without a really strong father figure and just wanting to find that in a man and I started with boys and finally I did find a man and he is incredible but he still was not able to fill those places Mm -hmm. and I think recognizing that if you are just a serial dater, and if you are continually looking for that, take a step back. Like this message of having fun, you probably know how to have fun. (laughs) 
it's not for you. Take a step back and recognize what areas are you hoping this person will fill that they simply cannot. And then, you know, having a past, having a, a past of just poor decisions and then going into a relationship with a great Christian guy who had no past of any decisions. It always definitely kind of felt like um, I, I just had to, <laughs> I had to almost like keep my distance mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to do it well. And I'd like to say that was false, but it wasn't. How I knew to relate to a man was through a level of um, sexuality, of um, promiscuity. Are you and talking about in the dating season? In the dating season. And so I think what is needed is some space where you really can allow God to just rewrite those things in you. If you've started dating when you were young in particular, you will start into a pattern of thinking that this is how you relate to someone of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. And it takes space, it takes time in understanding like that has to be rewired inside of you for you to move forward in, um, in health and in something that can just be good and joyful and fun mm -hmm. without all of the baggage of past mistakes, of um, past decisions, because without that, Without that space, without God doing a new thing within you, which he wants to do. Absolutely. Like there really is no bounds. There is no limits on what God can undo and redo and unmake and remake. And just believing that and allowing that to happen so you can move forward into a, a good thing, mm -hmm. I think is so necessary. And being in a community where... There are people who can say, you know, I have sat with girls and have told them my story and they never would believe it. They would think right. like, you know, Addison's parents picked me out from some Christian family, <laughs> like yeah. to merge the kingdoms or whatever. If you bad, you practice for divorce. You exactly. don't necessarily hear that redemption story. No. But I mean, I in my own way can attest to that as well. But on the other side, it is when you don't go into dating with, um, or let me back up. I think that dating now is seen as marriage sometimes mm -hmm. of we can date for 10 years and sometimes there is a lengthier dating process. For me, it was not even <laughs> a year, but almost entering into that intimacy or entering into those expectations of um, my boyfriend or even calling it partner now um, is filling that role of my husband. Yeah. Um, too prematurely, yeah. but refocusing our mind around what dating is purposeful for, not having this fear, this pressure on it, but opening it up to, okay, God, what what is this portion for? Mm -hmm. Like Brooke, even while you're in this dating period, I know you've shared what you've learned that it's not, but what have you seen from just your relationship with God and your other friends? What have you seen? Okay, this is what I'm actually trying to get out of dating. It kind of feels like what I'm trying to get out of dating is now, one, something that Julie shared at the beginning was getting more of the heart of God out of people. Mm -hmm. You're seeing new facets and new sides of him that you wouldn't see if you hadn't interacted with them. Even if they don't end up being someone you go on a second date with or you end up dating or marrying, things like that, there's lessons and there's things that God has in store for you in it. So that's definitely what I've kind of learned is that it's, it's been animating me towards growth and um, I've been learning more of the heart of God for myself even. Mm -hmm.
So we've learned take the pressure out of dating, yeah. take the fear out of dating, but realize what dating is meant for so you can enter into that marriage season well. Yep. And I love that. I thank you both for being vulnerable and to sharing. So we all listening have a better experience and a better mindset and confidence going into dating. But our next podcast is all about fear. So I want to allude real quick. You have two minutes. I want to know what is the scariest thing to you? The scariest thing dun, for dun, me, dun. The scariest thing to me almost in the world are moths. Moths. I hate moths. They fly like they're broken. They're blind. They like are dirty and they just freak me out. I can't like if I, if there's one in the room, I have to sleep. I think in there's one room. on your shoulder actually. <laughs> Don't she looked everyone. She yeah, so I I'm ter- terrified of moths. My whole life I've been. How do you feel about butterflies? Oh, they're beautiful. Or bats. They're much more elegant. They're like this. And mo- you can't see me if you're listening, but they She's fly like they're hard. broken. I don't know. That sounds really mean. I love broken mean. things. Except moths. Except moths. Uh, my greatest fear. Is that, was that the question? Yeah. Um, it would definitely be anything happening to people who I love. Mm. Uh, specifically my children. That's. That's a better than mine. It's <laughs> like a moth attacking my kids. There we go. Well, my biggest fear is that you listening will not be able to hear our next podcast. So make sure that you subscribe. You leave a comment of what you want to hear. You know, 2020, it's all let's talk about it. Let's talk about the things we don't usually get to talk about. So that includes your topics and your conversations. So leave a comment. Leave a review, and until next time, this has been Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters.